You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss the hauntings of Old Forge, New York. Welcome back to Mystery Still Unsolved. I am so happy to be back with all of you today. Um, I have had a very crazy, chaotic, and dramatic day, and so I'm just super stoked to, to be sitting here with you guys and talking about unsolved mysteries. Um, you guys are my friends, my best friends, and so I'm so excited to be here with you all today because you guys make me feel better. Um, I am very excited to have another after dark episode with you guys. So, um, recently I had the opportunity to visit old forge, New York, which if you're not familiar with it, it is a small mountain town in upstate New York located within the Adirondack mountains. Um, I just happened to be there with my family. Uh, we were going to a water park that was in the area. And then also I have a lot of friends who they went to old forge every summer. Like that was like their family's thing. And I had never been, so I was just really curious. Also the Adirondacks is where Adirondack chairs come from. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they were created in the Adirondacks. Um, and so I just always wanted to go. So we headed up there and while we were there, we went to this super cool bookstore. It was like about three floors and in the bookstore, there was a book and it was called Haunted Old Forge. And I saw that book, leafed through it a little bit and was hooked. So I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that Old Forge was haunted. I want to start exploring some of these things. So that is what kind of prompted me to record this episode and do research for it. It was complete happenstance, but I'm so glad that it happened that way. Um, but before we get into all of that and just kind of dive in and talk about it, um, I did want to do a little bit of housekeeping. I know housekeeping is super boring. It's like what your mom makes you do on Saturday mornings. Um, but I have to do it. So I promise to keep it brief. We'll keep it short and sweet, but we do need to get down to the nitty gritty. So if you are not already following me on my Instagram, um, hello, what are you doing with your life? You're not doing it right. That's what I can tell you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, my handle on Instagram is at mystery still unsolved. So if you have a chance, go hop over there, follow me on Instagram. We have a lot of fun. Um, I post pictures and videos if I can find them about the cases that we cover. Um, and on those posts, you can share your thoughts theories, comments, opinions. I love to hear them. Um, you can also DM PM, I don't know, whatever, um, me a suggestion. And if I can find enough research on it, like I'll totally do it on the, on the podcast. And you guys have helped me so much. Um, 
to like fill out my calendar with all of your creative and awesome suggestions. So thank you guys so much. I really love it. And then I kind of feel like the podcast is ours instead of just mine, which I love. I love how it's like a community effort. It takes a village. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm really excited about that. I also want to let you know, um, if you weren't aware, we do have a website. It's www.mysteriesstillunsolved.com. And there you can listen to all of my episodes. Um, I'm in the process of like downloading all of my scripts. You can get some like behind the scenes. You can like see what I'm reading off of right now, which I don't know if you're into that sort of thing, that's cool. Um, and then I also wanted to let you guys, um, know that due to the holiday next week. So next week is the 4th of July. If you're catching up and you're like, what holiday? There's no holiday. (laughs) Um, next week, um, as I'm recording, this is July 4th. So I am going to be taking that week off, um, to just kind of spend some time with my family. It's also my last week here in New York. Um, that's where my family's from. So I just want to really enjoy them. So I'm going to be taking next week off, but the week following that, I will be back at it again with some, with another incredible unsolved mystery that we will dive into and dissect. Um, so thank you guys so much for letting me do the housekeeping. Um, I also, this is not a housekeeping thing because I don't consider it a chore, but I do want to make sure that you guys know that I appreciate you guys so much and all of your support and all your kind words and all of your just awesome compliments that you guys send me. You guys are really awesome, especially like this past week. It's been like kind of rough. Um, we've had like some family drama because who doesn't, you know what I mean? Um, and just getting your guys' messages is it just like makes my day, makes my day. It just brightens it up. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate and love you all. All right. Without further delay, let's dive into these unsolved mysteries. Um, so I just want to give credit to the book that I found at the bookstore. Um, I think I might've said the name wrong earlier now that I'm looking at it. (laughs) So it's actually called Haunted Old Forge and it's written by Dennis Webster and Bernadette Peck. And a lot of the information that I'm going to give you is literally going to be word for word um, from this book because they're actually New York ghost hunters. They belong to a group, like a community that's up here. And so the stories that they included in this book are all firsthand accounts, um, which I think is really cool. And why should I like try and like some like regurgitate what they've already written so well? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you what they wrote. And then I actually went to all of these places. The first haunting that we'll discuss in today's episode is the Hollywood road boathouse and Bernadette and Dennis visited this location on August 15th, 2015. And they write, Just past the Water Safari Park in Old Forge, on your right, is Hollywood Road. It is a charming, winding road that snakes along the edge of First Lake. It's lined with camps for seasonal residents and homes for the year-round residents. The rustic waterfront area has deer and black bear walking among the structures. But something else walks the night and has the residents in awe the spirit of the lady of the boathouse. 
Ghost seeker and paranormal investigator Joe Estrander came to the group with a haunted legend told to him by his friend Rick about the boathouse on First Lake and the lady walking the driveways and the road in proximity to the rundown structure. On a sunny and warm afternoon, the ghost seekers of central New York met Rick and his wife, Tammy, by the visitor center in the heart of Old Forge. We stood and listened to Rick tell us of the ghostly walking of the lady of the boathouse. Old Forge is one of the few remaining places in America where GPS gets discombobulated and cell phone signals are single bar sparseness. Before contacting the ghost speakers, Rick and Tammy had a psychic come to the area and that psychic noted that she had felt the presence of a female soul trapped wandering the path from the house to the shore. We had to follow Rick and Tammy to the location as it is not available to find on modern devices. About a mile down Hollywood Road on your right is the boathouse. It's a small wooden structure that leans a little with faded red paint. The gray crumbling wood peers out from beneath its peeling paint. The waves of First Lake were lapping up against the shore where the little boathouse rested. All right, so they parked their vehicles right off of the road and summer revelers were sitting on their docks and front porches watching the odd collection of people in their black polo shirts with a Ghost Seeker logo proudly embroidered on their chests. Rick and Tammy started telling everyone about the spirit of Jenny Boyce, who had lived up on the hill above the lakefront homes. The locals had repeatedly seen her spirit walking the path from her old estate on the hill to the water next to her pre like what was her boathouse. This route takes her down a gravel driveway that splits two camps. When we got close to the boathouse, we saw something odd, something you never see sitting adjacent to any structure, let alone a building that protects water vessels from the exterior elements. We looked at it closely and there was no mistake. It was a grave marker. On the small square gray slab is the engraving Jenny Boyce, 1883 to 1917. The time of her death was a different time in Old Forge. This was when only a handful of brave and extremely tough individuals lived among the harsh Adirondack conditions. This was way before tourists and water slides, when logging and hands-on living were the norm. It was not the place for the weak of body or mind or spirit. There's no doubt that Jenny had to have been a rugged, strong woman to live up in the early 20th century Old Forge area. The group theorized that the marker had to have been a family tribute to her most favorite place. The marker was six feet above her long buried bones. It was no doubt a strange tribute. Dennis and Bernadette and Rick had invited a bunch of ghost hunters and psychics up with them to this location, but they didn't give them any information. So the group tries to keep psychics like Judy, the one that they invited in the dark about details going into a haunted location. On this trip, they had not told Judy or Helen a thing. Uh, These women do not claim to be psychic, but they have paranormal visions when it comes to spirits. 
Um, As they drove down Hollywood Road, Helen closed her eyes and placed her hand on her forehead and said that she was seeing a boathouse with a grave marker and a stump right next to it. Rick and Tammy never once mentioned any of these important and vital details, and this haunting had never been written about or even featured in the local folklore. When they pulled up and stopped at the boathouse, Helen got a massive headache and could barely get out of the car. She stood back as the others approached the site and refused to go any closer. Dennis asked Josh, and he said he wasn't feeling anything. The ability to see the dead is not something you can turn on and off like a light switch, and Josh just wasn't tuning into the paranormal frequency. Judy, on the other hand, had been drawn to the gravel driveway and not to the boathouse. She felt something different there, something sad, domineering, and depressing, but not the spirit of Jenny. She felt a male entity that was wandering back and forth. It was at this point that Rick and Tammy said that the house nearby had at one time been a home to several people with mental disabilities, and they had a man who would do nothing but pace up and down the driveway all day long. The ghost seekers took turns looking through the cracked and stained windows into the boathouse and were able to see a few small boats covered with decades of dust and cobwebs. At this point, Helen had decided to come a little bit closer and look at the boathouse. She crept closer to the structure, and even though it was warm and sunny that day in the Adirondacks, she felt a wave of darkness come over her entire body. She stopped and was stunned to see the grave marker and the stump next to the boathouse. Carol had to hold her arm to keep her from shaking. The ladies decided to get right up to the boathouse and look into the window. Helen could see something she described as pure evil and horrifying inside of the boathouse and had to flee the area. She felt afraid and said that the area had a depressing and anxious feel to it, as if many depressed souls were clinging to that boathouse. The team members all piled into their vehicles and drove off happy to leave the boathouse in the rearview mirror. Perhaps someday, somebody will meet the ghost of Jenny Boyce on her trek to the lake and ask her why. Why does she remain compelled to repeat her nightly journey? She might just answer. All right, so now I'm going to tell you guys my experience with the boathouse. So um, we came up as a family to go to um, Enchanted Forest Water Safari, where the fun never stops. Dun, dun. <laughs> That's their little jingle that I remember when I was a kid. Um, and I had only gone there on field trips when I was in elementary school. So we literally just went on a bus and went up there and then came back. So I had never really explored Old Forge at all. Um, so I decided that I wanted to go and it was kind of funny because we got there and then I had a a zoom meeting that I had to attend to. So my husband and my kids went to the grocery store and then they came back when I was done and I was like, okay, well let's go get dinner. And so we went and got dinner (laughs) and then as we were leaving, I was like, okay, well, what do you guys want to do? Do you guys want to like explore more down, down? And Brian was like, uh, this is downtown. And I was like, yeah, I know, but like more of it. And he was like, it just kind of stops here. There's nothing really past this point. And he was totally right. It's a teeny tiny town, which almost like, I mean, it was really nice, but 
tiny towns kind of creep me out. And let me know if I'm the only one, but I just feel like we do, we cover a lot of cases with tiny towns. And I feel like in tiny towns, everybody knows everybody. And first off, I don't like it because I feel like everybody's in your business and I don't want anybody in my business. But also because if you are a visitor and you get murdered, (laughs) your murderer is probably cousins, siblings, or best friends with somebody in the sheriff's department and they're just going to try and cover it up because that's their buddy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Just don't feel comfortable in those tiny towns. <laughs> I feel like if I got murdered there, my case would never be solved because like everybody's friends with everybody and everybody's like, oh, that was just Ron. He was having a bad day. Let's not ruin his life over one bad day. So just don't trust it. Don't trust you tiny towns of America. Okay, so just past Old Forge Water Safari, where the one never stops, dun dun, <laughs> um, is Hollywood Road. So I had remembered from the book that it was about a mile up that road. So what I did is I had my husband like clock it out and um, we went over there. So we drove a mile and then we stopped and I was like, I don't see it. I don't know where it is. And then I looked through the book and I was like, there's no address. So I don't really know what to do. And I'm assuming that they probably didn't include an address because it is such a tiny town. They probably like the residents probably don't want like a bunch of people like coming into their neighborhood and like looking at this old boathouse with a grave on it. Um, so we kind of like drove a little bit further and I was just about to give up when I saw the tilted boathouse with faded red paint. And I still, even though like it kind of matched the description, it just didn't seem old enough. So I wasn't really sure. So I had Brian pull over and I got out of the car and I walked over to the boathouse and sure enough, there was the grave marker. Um, so I knew that I had got there and I, I want to say that when I got out of the car, there definitely was a different feeling. I don't think that I had the same, I felt the same energy or the same, um, like depressing feelings that Judy and Helen had felt like I didn't feel ill. I didn't have like a headache or anything. Um, but it definitely felt different. Um, whether that difference is good or bad, I can't, I can't determine that. Um, but (laughs) I will say that when you get to the boathouse and you look at the grave, I had no problem doing that. I had fun, you know, being in the area, but I kind of was tempted to look inside of the boathouse And then as I got closer to it, I got a little bit freaked out and I don't even know why I got freaked out because I actually hadn't read that last page where it talks about how, um, Helen and Judy looked inside the boat house and, and swore that they saw something evil and horrifying inside. And so imagine like my terror when I got back to my hotel and read that last page and was like, holy crap, what if I would have looked through the windows? Would I have seen something horrifying and evil inside? So I'm 
kind of glad that I didn't, but I'm a little bit curious to know if I would have seen anything or if it would have just been totally fine. It probably would have just been totally fine. Um, but I, if you go onto Instagram right now, I, um, posted a couple of videos of me at the boathouse. I'm giving you like a little bit of a tour. So if you like those, like kind of firsthand experiences or secondhand experiences, I guess, cause it's you watching me do it. Um, hop on over there and take a look at it. And if you're listening to this a couple months later, um, I do have an after dark highlight bubble on my Instagram. Um, and you can view that whenever you want. That one doesn't disappear. So you can go ahead and look over there. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that that boathouse is haunted. Another interesting thing that I learned, um, doing a little bit more research about her is, um, it doesn't seem as though Jenny Boyce died in any traumatic way. She wasn't murdered. It kind of just seemed like she got sick and, and died and she was a little bit older. Um, so I don't think that she died in a necessarily like a brutal manner. Um, but I did learn that the boathouse was one of her favorite places to go. So if she is forced to walk somewhere after her death, I think that she's probably pretty happy that that's where she gets to be because in life that was her favorite place and her family knew that she loved that place so much that they even buried her body there. So I wonder if she's happy about that or upset about it, but I don't know if that was her favorite place in life, then I'm sure that she loves that that's her final resting place. That's what I like to think anyways. Maybe that's just me trying to get myself to <laughs> go to sleep at night. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to discuss our next haunting. All right. So this next case is not only a haunting, but it's also a very interesting old timey murder case. This occurred in July, 1906, and I'm going to tell you about it through Bernadette and Dennis's perspective right now. They write in the hot summer down the road from old forge, a dastardly crime in the early 20th century left behind one of the most famous ghost stories in the U S big moose Lake is a spot where 19 year old grace Brown was tragically murdered at the hands of her lover, Chester Gillette. The man would fry in the electric chair for this very crime, but Grace's ghost would become the Lady of the Lake. The crime created a national firestorm with a best-selling novel, an American tragedy, an award-winning movie, A Place in the Sun, which, oh my gosh, I have to watch that movie. <laughs> More than 100 years removed from the crime, there are still many who have witnessed the ghosts of Grace Brown floating above the water. Chester Gillette was a young man from wealth and privilege who was handsome and traveled the country before settling for a job in his uncle's factory in Cortland, New York, making skirts. The lad also chased the skirts of all of the young ladies and the beautiful farmer's daughter, Grace Brown, caught his attention. Grace had been born on March 20th, 1886 on the family farm in South Ostilic, New York. She had grown to five foot two and weighed 100 pounds, which I don't know why we're telling everybody her weight. That's kind of annoying. 
Um, yet she was confident in the city, working at the Gillette Skirt Factory. Chester charmed her, and Grace fell head over heels in love. Soon she became pregnant, and Chester showed his love by booking a trip to the Adirondack Mountains. Their journey would see the young couple stopping at Big Moose Lake, where they stayed at the Glenore Hotel. The locals thought that it was odd that the young couple had barely brought any luggage with them, and the young man was carrying a single tennis racket. Chester rented a boat and took Grace out for a nice romantic row across the dark, still waters. Um, But then he used his tennis racket to beat Grace on the head and dumped her body in the lake. Chester rowed ashore and fled. He ended up at the Arrowhead Hotel on Fourth Lake, where he got a haircut and spent the evening flirting with all of the young ladies. Grace was later found floating in Big Moose Lake, and Chester was arrested for her murder. The tennis racket was found in the woods next to the lake, hidden under a fallen pine. It would become the trial of the century, with Chester found guilty and sentenced to die in the electric chair. His good looks and charm caused many female admirers to send him photographs, which he plastered around his jail cell, at, um, kind of like a shrine, at the Herkimer County Jail, which... This is oddly giving me, like, uh, Ted Bundy vibes. The Casanova had shocked a nation by murdering the pregnant and innocent Grace Brown. To this day, it is one of the most tragic criminal cases in America. Grace's ghost floating over the water of Big Moose Lake was featured on the television show Unsolved Mysteries. Oh my gosh, that means we're going to cover it again. (laughs) And has been in many ghost books, both local and national. Many guests of the area claim to have seen her apparition floating over the lake. On the 100th anniversary of Grace Brown's death, there was a large memorial service and celebration that Bernadette and other ghost seekers attended. They watched a wreath-laying ceremony at Punky Bay at the spot of the lake where Grace had been murdered. The Lady of the Lake was being remembered, and Bernadette felt her ghost among the collective mourners. When Bernadette and some friends stayed at the Big Moose Inn, they had a direct interaction with the ghost of Grace Brown. In the evening, the group went down to the lake and sat in the waterside gazebo. The entire group witnessed the entity of Grace form from mist into a ghost right over the water. The team was stunned, obviously, and watched her over the still nighttime lake waters. This was proof of all who had said that Grace's ghost floats over the lake. It was not Bernadette's first interaction with Grace's ghost, however. The ghost seekers of central New York conducted a paranormal investigation at the birth home of Grace Brown in South Ostelic, New York, and had actually had direct contact with her spirit there as well. During the investigation, the ghost seekers had their digital recorders running, of course. Bernadette asked Grace's ghost if she had been murdered by Chester Gillette, and the recorder picked up Grace saying, yes. It was a clear answer. The team was blown away as it was an intelligent haunting and a direct answer from the other side of the murdered woman. Many times, the ghost seekers have asked, have been asked if spirits can travel and haunt multiple locations, and the answer is absolutely. There is no doubt that portals are used by ghosts to move about, and Grace would naturally haunt the tragic place of her death, but also the joyous family farm home in which she had been raised. 
if you get a chance, visit the water's edge of Big Moose Lake as the moonbeams hit the black water and you might just catch a glimpse of the lady in the lake. All right, well, first things first, let's talk some shit about Chester because I don't like him. Um, obviously, because he murdered a pregnant lady for selfish reasons. Um, so in the book, Bernadette and Dennis do not specify if Grace Brown and Chester were married, which they weren't. So this is kind of my in my personal opinion, I'm in my Rochelle box. This is what I think happened. So I think that Chester was a player and he, um, you know, got caught up in the game and got Grace Brown pregnant. Um, I think that he came from like immense wealth and I'm kind of feeling like Grace maybe didn't. And I'm thinking that he just wanted to get rid of her because she was pregnant and they also weren't married, which I mean, 1906, that's kind of like a scandalous thing. Um, so I'm guessing that he just was like, Oh, come with me to the Adirondacks. It's so romantic, blah, 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 blah. And it was honestly like, he was planning on killing her the entire time. Like probably like as soon as she informed him that she was pregnant, um, because he probably wasn't done chasing girls yet. And he probably knew that his family would be none too pleased if he, you know, approached them and let them know the situation that he'd gotten like a poor girl pregnant and they'd probably be disappointed and they wouldn't want him to marry her and blah, 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 blah. So he just decided to take matters into his own hands like a douche. All right. So we hiked to the lake. Um, that's me, my husband and my kids. And a lot of people are pretty disturbed that I took my kids up there with me, but I mean, they go where I go. You know what I mean? Um, I did end up going to the exact location where Chester and Grace would have entered on the boat into the lake. And I didn't take my kids to that area. Um, I definitely felt heaviness in that area. Um, I also went there at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon and it was a little bit spooky being out there by myself. I, so I can't even imagine those people who go at like 10, 11, 12, 3 o'clock at night. <laughs> that seems absolutely terrifying. Um, but if you have the opportunity to go, I would definitely recommend it. It's a beautiful lake um, with a tragic history. Um, but again, uh, we can all rejoice in the fact that uh, Chester is no more. <laughs> and that he got what he had coming to him. I'm glad that this case isn't unsolved, I guess. And I guess in this in this case, the unsolved bit of it is does Grace's ghost actually haunt the lake? But I'm very happy that the case of her murder has been solved and rectified. That makes me feel a little bit better. I actually have a couple of pictures from my hike to the lake, and I am going to post some pictures of Grace Brown and Chester Gillette. I was actually able to find some in the book that Bernadette and Dennis wrote. So I will post those pictures on the Instagram at mystery still unsolved. So head on over there and comment and like, and send me a DM with the case suggestion. Last, but certainly not least, is the haunting of the Strand Theater. So Bernadette and Dennis and their, you know, 
amazing team of ghost hunters visited this location in July of 2014. And they write, of all the locations and buildings in Old Forge, the place locals point to as a haunted beacon would be the Strand Theater. In the past, Dennis has attended the annual author fair put on by the Old Forge Library. Every time he was at his table selling books, locals would stop by and discuss the Strand Theater and the tales of its hauntings. One elderly, soft-spoken lady mentioned seeing a ghost looking out of the front top window at her. The Strand Building has been an icon since the Thompsons built the structure and opened it on March 15, 1923. The Strand was said to have held 700 moviegoers when it opened, and the first movie to show there was The Old Homestead, an 80-minute silent film that had been released in 1922. The silent movies were shown with an accompaniment of the piano by Mrs. Walter Farmer. The Strand Theater still showed movies, but there was also a barbershop on the first floor during the time the structure became known as Brown's Strand Theater. When Old Forge businessman Harry Brown took over, back then the ghosts were probably pleased that he showed the black and white horror attraction Frankenstein. When Harry charged 35 cents, 35 cents to see the feature and large boxes of candy were only a nickel. It was said that his wife, Mrs. Luella Brown, was a small lady but large in toughness. Hey, that's me. With her as the usher, no tomfoolery was allowed. No ruckus. She put an end to that. A tragic accident claimed Harry Brown's life when on July 7, 1962, he was walking along Eagle Bay Road when he was struck and killed by a logging truck. Harry had come from Forestport, New York, and was a business fixture in Old Forge for more than 50 years. He ran the Strand, plus the Brown gift shop, Brown's garage and taxi and a skating rink and a dancing hall. He originally showed silent movies at the Masonic Temple in Old Forge before moving his theater to the Strand, but it's the latter where he his spirit is said to walk the seats in rows smoking his iconic cigar. The Strand Theater was bought in 1991 by Bob Card and Helen Zima, who upgraded and improved the business. For more than two decades, they have lovingly shown movies to locals and Old Forge tourists, with Bob and Helen often working the ticket booth themselves. They were filmed talking about the ghost of Harry Brown haunting the Strand. Adirondack Mountain Production filmed a program titled The Strand Theater, 90 Years in Old Forge. About 18 minutes into the video, we see Bob and Helen sitting among the seats, talking about the many times when closing the theater for the night, they have felt a presence. Many times they have gotten a paranormal whiff of Harry's cigar. Bob smiles at the camera and says, quote, the ghosts of Old Forge still go to the movies, end quote. Bernadette and Dennis decided to pay a little visit to the Strand Theater to inquire about those ghosts. They had heard more tales from the locals of ghosts occupying not only the theater, but also the upstairs apartments. When they walked into the Strand, Helen was selling the tickets herself and a teenage employee was working the candy and popcorn counter. Helen was kind enough to come out of her booth and speak with the paranormal investigators and tell them firsthand of the haunting, haunted happenings. 
She spoke with a sweet tone that evoked a gentle soul, and her smile was warm and engaging as she mentioned a group of old ladies fleeing the theater when they had seen a ghost. Others have mentioned hearing a ghost playing the old organ piano from the silent movie era. Helen mentioned the strong odor of cigar smoke that would occur every once in a while, especially down near the front of the theater, as if Harry were strolling the rows of his beloved movie house. She mentioned that in the upper apartments, things move and a presence has been seen here or there. Dennis and Bernadette smiled, appreciative to hear the stories. Helen then described how there is a pole chain in the theater, and for no reason it has been swinging to and fro. There's no wind in there, and there's nothing else that could be moving it. She also said that the theater is prone to hot and cold spots, which is a common occurrence in the presence of a spirit. Helen paused for a moment, smiled, and then told the story of the ghost of Harry Brown coming to her defense... Helen paused for a moment, smiled, and then told the story of the ghost of Harry Brown coming to her defense when she had a disagreement with Bob. Harry's ghost hugged her with a paranormal embrace, as if to say that he supported her side. When Helen was done speaking of the haunted happenings, Bernadette strolled over to the candy counter and spoke to the young man working, and she asked him, "'Hey, have you seen any ghosts?' The young man's smile went away, and with a scared look, he said, quote, I'm not saying anything, end quote. Bernadette tried to reassure him that it was all right to talk, and he said, quote, there is no way you're getting me to talk about anything to do with that kind of stuff, end quote. Dennis and Bernadette asked Helen if the ghost seekers of central New York can conduct a paranormal investigation within the Strand Theater, and Helen graciously said no. She explained that she was afraid the group would stir something up. The Seekers respected her decision, as a building owner has to be comfortable with an investigation, and many do feel that something might be stirred up. Dennis and Bernadette thanked Helen for her time and took a moment to take in the grandeur of the Strand Hotel. It will always be among the top places the Seekers will want to investigate. Just remember that when the lights go down and the movie lights go up on the screen, the whiff of cigar smoke might just be the ghost of Harry Brown sitting in the seat right behind you. While it would be cool for Helen to like agree to do a ghost investigation, I completely respect Helen and Bob's decision for not wanting to perform an investigation. I mean, they have people who live in their building in the apartments upstairs and we can't and they like they cannot guarantee that like conducting invest, an investigation would not get like the spirits that are there aggravated. So, that's why the ghost seekers tend to shy away from homes where living people live. Spirits can be asked, but they are not loyal companions or easily manipulated. They are unpredictable and stubborn, much like all of us. So I had the opportunity to visit the Strand Theater, and we took a picture outside of it, and I was super concerned that we were going to look at the picture and that there was going to be a spirit's face looking at us, but luckily there wasn't. Um, one of my favorite things about this last haunting is the account of the smell. I had no idea that there was such thing as a paranormal smell. I just find that so interesting. Um, I also am like, okay, well, 
what's my paranormal smell going to smell like? Hopefully it's a good one. <laughs> um, I had a really awesome time visiting Old Forge. I am so happy that um, we were able to come across the book that Dennis and Bernadette wrote about all the hauntings in Old Forge. I couldn't have done this episode without their hard work and their information that was provided within the book. So if you want to look that book up, I will definitely post it in the show notes, um, as I always do, um, with all the information and sources that I use to create these episodes. So if you ever have a chance to visit Old Forge and go to Enchanted Forest Water Safari, where the fun never stops, dun dun, um, I would highly recommend it. Um, there are so many stories in that book. I only covered three of the hauntings, but there are so many. It's like a 200 page book maybe a hundred page book. Um, and it's great. It's, it's really interesting. And I had no idea, like the, when you go into the town, the town is tiny. Like you're in your car for like two minutes, you've driven through like the entire town. So it's just so crazy that even though it's so small, there are so many hauntings and paranormal things going on per capita in that town. So definitely check it out if you're ever in the area. Don't forget that I will not be posting an episode next week because it's the 4th of July and I just really feel like I need to spend some time with my family and just enjoy summer with them a little bit. Um, but I will be back on July 13th, <gasps> the 13th, dun, dun, dun. Um, and we will get back to discussing and dissecting unsolved mysteries. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. I really, really appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. I don't know how I got so lucky to have such incredible fans and listeners. You guys are so awesome. I hope that you guys have a fun and safe 4th of July. Um, don't forget that if you want to support this podcast, you can do so by following me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved, visiting my website, www.mysterystillunsolved.com. Tell a friend or family member who loves true crime about the podcast. And the best way you could support my podcast is by joining me next week. Oh, not next week. <laughs> joining me in two weeks when together we'll discover, did someone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed or is the mystery still unsolved? <laughs>